you know, it seems like everybody's got their their foot on the gas pedal and they're trying to take advantage of, of the federal funding that's available to the greatest extent possible. This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Contractor's Corner podcast, the first for 2023. We made it. I am here today with Perch Energy. I have Sincelia Reynolds on the line. She is the COO at Perch. And then we have Georgina Ariola, the VP of Policy. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you for having us. So I understand that Perch Energy was launched by Blue Wave Solar in February of 2022. Can you tell me about why Blue Wave saw the need to start a community solar subscription arm and what Perch does? So I can touch on that. Um, Actually, Blue, um, Blue Wave Solar started a servicing arm for community solar back in 2017. Um, and that was because at the time, community solar was a little bit new. They were developing these first community solar projects and you know, saw the need to actually uh, obtain customers and then actually manage that life cycle. But since 2018, started actually also managing projects for other clients. And then in 2020, Blue Wave, the parent company of Blue Wave Community Solar, decided to spin out the businesses. So Blue Wave Community Solar became its own uh, entity, and we rebranded as Perch um, in late 21 or 2022, thereabouts. Okay, got it. So the community solar segment is interesting because there are some different pieces, parts that are not in play for other sectors. Can you talk to me about why a community solar management and subscription platform is a necessity in that ecosystem? Yeah, I can take that. So the platform is super important because um, in today's age, you want to make sure that you are leveraging technology um, in every way possible to not only acquire customers, but to manage them effectively, right? So you want to make sure that your platform is creating the opportunity to for clients and customers to do business with you in the most easiest way possible. We've done a lot of work in terms of leveraging technology that we had in the past when we used to do switching uh, servicing uh, to be able to acquire customers, make sure that we are providing them with the right information. We are verifying customers correctly. We have the opportunity to communicate with them uh, pretty effectively. Uh, We also provide portal access as well, which keeps customers in tune with what's happening even before they're tied to a solar farm. And then when it comes to the customers tied to a project, actually receiving um, credit um, that's being transferred to them. They can also log into their portal. They can see, you know, what's going on. They can make payments. We can communicate with customers. So having a really nice nifty platform, again, that makes it really easy um, and error-free and transparent for customers to do business with us is really important. Okay. Georgina, anything you wanted to add on that? The other thing I would add is, as Cincelia was saying, when it comes to, um, being able to ensure that we're providing you know, great customer service. A lot of, we have a lot of interactions that happen with the utility and the platform, you know, as we automate more things enables us to be able to make sure that there's a really tight QA QC process so that we're 
you know, able to serve the customer. And if there's things that we can do to improve the program, we feed that back through our, you know, policy and regulatory loops. So Perch Energy, you do a lot of work with low and middle class populations. How can you make community solar a reality for, for that segment? Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll respond to that question just a little bit differently. So if you look back historically, you'll notice that LMI customers are often kind of courted later <laughs> than everybody else or can sometimes um, arise as an afterthought after the market has been saturated in really mature industries. So given that community solar is still somewhat, you know, in its early stages and we're already seeing policy and major initiatives geared towards um, this market, it really shows um, that the industry is being proactive versus reactive um, in ensuring, you know, renewable energy in general is made um, accessible for all. And while every customer group typically, it, it has its challenges, um, servicers and asset owners, particularly as it pertains to LMI, they must ensure that their business policies and their practices take into account the challenges that are associated with serving specific customer groups. So typically what we do um, from the Perch perspective when we're working with asset owners who they're trying to get financing, we bring our team forward, right? We talk about what we do as a servicer and we kind of build that level of confidence. Georgina will come you know, on, on, onto the call and talk about from a policy perspective, what she can provide as well to make sure that they stay in the know with the market. I will also join and talk about the customer operations and client services team and you know, how our approach to sizing and subscription management, which all ties into making sure that you not only attract LMI customers, not only that you're servicing them correctly, but that the asset owner who is trying to get the financing can take that information and relay it and be able to get that kind of across the line. So let's talk about where the IRA fits in here. There are numerous incentives, the adders that definitely seem to apply to the community solar market specifically, or at least have the potential to. Um, how is Perch planning on taking advantage of those different incentives? Sure. So I think what you're referencing primarily is a um, potential for a, up to a 20% uh, bonus ITC if you enroll a minimum of 50% um, low-income consumers into the project. We're already seeing a lot of asset owners that you know are, have obviously a desire to try to claim that uh, additional 20% ITC. Um, so our role within that is, you know, making sure that we're finding those low-income customers um, that are, you know, good quality customers that will stay on the project for a, a long time. Um, so we're working with asset owners to identify, um, you know, what's the best customer mix uh, for them, and then actually going out and finding those, and where there might be some regulatory hurdles um, to actually enrolling customers. We're you know, we're currently working through the uh, comment process with the IRS, um, with DOE, with other individuals that are putting the um, the guidance together so that we can set up the rules properly to ensure that customers have, you know, are able to enroll so successfully in, in these uh, communities or projects. 
You talked earlier about how for some companies it's more of an afterthought to court the LMI. I mean, court is, you know, maybe like market to um, the LMI space. So how do you educate new groups of people to come into the fold? Yeah, so educating um, is at the core um, of what what we do, regardless of the customer uh, type, right? Um, again, community solar is, I like to call it, it's still kind of emerging, even though solar has been around for quite some time, community solar is still emerging. So when you mention that, hey, you know, what we're offering is community solar and here's how it works and here are the savings that you can expect, we still have to go into a little bit more detail and explain, well, what does that mean for you as a, a customer? How does your subscription actually add value um, to, you know, our mission towards environmental justice. So education, again, it, it doesn't matter whether it's an LMI customer or it's a really large um, anchor or off taker, we still do take the time to educate and provide as much information as possible. And as new things come up, we also make sure that we spend that out uh, to our existing customer group. We'll be right back. This edition of the Contractors Corner podcast is brought to you by Scanifly the only drone-based solar design software. Learn more about Scanifly at scanifly.com. Now back to the show. So I imagine some community solar developers might try to take on the customer management side on their own. Why would you advise these developers to go through someone like Perch to handle this part? Yeah. So the key, I think, is to, at least from from our perspective and and what's really important from a strategic um, positioning perspective, is to create an operations which is flexible, it's cost effective, and it makes it really easy for customers and clients to do business with us. And I I keep harping on that because that's really (laughs) the driver there is to make it really easy for folks to do business with us. And and being able to get to that point takes time, right? And so as a asset owner, a solar farm um, owner, having to put that cost forward to build out your own systems and to go through test and learning and to fine tune it, that takes years it takes resources it takes takes money to do that and we're already there and we do it very very well um we believe that our service model and clean tech platform has simplified not only lmi verification but the enrollment process for our customers we are also uh, leveraging third-party verification to ensure that we validate um, each sale independently our subscription management team is equipped with custom tools to ensure you know that we're sizing and monitoring each subscription to achieve the value proposition that our sales organization spent so much time educating customers um, on before signing up. We also have you know dedicated resources um, operating as liaisons to the utilities, so we have those relationships as well. Um, and we have a best-in-class uh, tiered support customer model, which ensures that we have an abundance of resources available to support increased volume. So it's so much more than just the platform. It's our entire management strategy and our approach to managing all customer types, where it really is a turnkey solution and, and one that a lot of asset owners and, and solar farm owners find pretty uh, compelling. 
Do you see your role expanding even more as Community Solar keeps growing? It has expanded quite a bit already um, over the last uh, couple of months. I think everybody um, is doing a lot more um, now and going forward. And again, as the market continues to shift and we have more policies that come up and our clients want more um you know, services and and we kind of expand, then yes, I, I do see uh, my role expanding to be able to to serve our customers and our clients. Got it. Let's talk about community solar policy a little more. Um, sure. I know that state policy is crucial. Um, even when we have great federal policy, we need states to pass enabling legislation. Um, how do you see the current status of the state policy and where do you see it going with the IRA passage? Sure. You're absolutely right. The state policy aligning with the federal rules is, you know, the key to su success, especially for this IRA package. Um, and it's something that's been echoed time and time again through, you know, the the comments uh, that industry is submitting to IRS and others. Um Currently, there is a lot of variability between how, a, you know, a low-income uh, individual is defined at the state level across every state and how an individual can prove that they actually qualify and, you know, are eligible to enroll. We want, we've been encouraging the federal government to establish sort of a rule that's, you know, easy to implement across the board and then also working with states to actually update their current rules and make sure that whatever standard is adopted at the federal level will be, you know, sort of honored for the state programs as well. That way you don't have two separate rules and, you know, you're trying to meet the state rules and then you're not able to qualify for the, those additional adders. So a ton of work is going on at the state level and at the federal level already. Do you think there is going to be kind of a domino effect as the IRA really takes effect and states are like, oh, this community solar sounds great, but we we need to do something to make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're already starting to see that. Um, California is a great example where in sort of record time, they passed legislation to enable community solar at a wider level. And within the writing of that bill, they actually inserted, you know, because IRA had just passed and they said, whatever the the standard, whatever the federal standard is, that's how we'll uh, we'll run this program. So you're already seeing that in states that are, you know, expected to become a huge player in community solar. Um, and then we're also seeing states like Michigan and, uh, and Pennsylvania who have been sort of on the cusp of joining the community solar revolution for a number of years, but haven't quite gotten there. And all of a sudden, you know, it seems like everybody's got their their foot on the gas pedal and they're trying to take advantage of, of the federal funding that's available to the greatest extent possible. What do you see are the biggest roadblocks to community solar policy? Like I know that obviously having no enabling policy at all is is hard, but what else are you are you hoping to see in state legislation that you may not have before? I think with the state, um, you know, Aside from ensuring that whatever standard they set, you know, they also adopt the federal standard to make it easy. Um, <clears throat> one of the, the things that we've seen in the evolution of uh, low and moderate income uh, consumer enrollment is 
states that have done this for a little bit have recognized that you need to ensure that the you know the validation rules are set to encourage enrollment and not make it harder for customers to enroll in a way that preserves um, sort of dignity in the process. So I, I, I really hope that you know both states and the federal government will take sort of the best lessons learned from that um, and adopt those across the board. So some of the, you know those have been the biggest hurdles at the state level, um, and I hope that states recognize you know that things like requiring uh, the submittal of income verification via tax records or you know things like that that are really burdensome um, are are you know done away with or at least eased via the rules. And the other options for verification are kind of maybe through utility programs. Yeah, participation like in utility assistance programs, participation in other economic assistance programs, you know, like women, uh, infants and children or um, LIHEAP, you know, those tend to be more common. But uh, oftentimes you'll see, you know, that enrollment, that um, that list of eligibility and programs is is a little um, limiting. So it should be broader. Anything else in the community solar space that you are looking forward to from policy to technology or anything, uh, maybe storage? Any thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's actually really exciting. Um, you know, IRA will actually provide an ITC for storage only systems, but then also for the storage component in paired systems. So I, um, we've seen a number of projects, primarily in New York and other states, where there are additional incentives for those battery uh, backup systems. Um, that is something that we expect will be included in the California program because that, you know, those uh, paired projects sort of provide the best returns. Um, so I'm really excited to see that uh, solar storage pairing grow and become more popular um, from a technology perspective, from a policy perspective. Like I mentioned, you know, having states like Ohio and um Michigan, who have been sort of ready to, to come on board and ha actually seeing those come to fruition will be super exciting because it feels very real this time. I'm just excited for the growth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for their growth. I'm like, bring it on, right? Um, you know, currently, um, in terms of acquiring customers, you know, it, it like I said, it does take work and the education. So, you know, we're going into the market and into the community specifically for LMI and and letting them know who we are and, and educating them on community solar and being transparent about, you know, how long it might take to sign up and stuff like that or to start seeing those benefits. And I think as the industry grows, um, you know, it's going to kind of turn a little bit where customers will then be coming to the services. They will be actually seeking out um this this benefit and wanting to join in again the environmental kind of um fight and justice towards um a, a greener cleaner um planet so i'm really excited for the growth i can't wait to to see things continue to to explode awesome well thank you two so much it's been great talking to you and i'm also excited for the future of community solar absolutely thank you for This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as I talk to solar contractors across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online at solarpowerworldonline.com for more great featured content and breaking solar news. See you back here next month.